Hello, my loves, and welcome to Healing the Podcast with your host, Ashlyn Tori. I'm a heels and burlesque instructor, a confidence mentor, and the creator of Studio Soli Luna, living in the gorgeous mountains of Asheville, North Carolina. In this safe and sacred portal, we will be having raw, real, and intentional conversations about dancing in a heel, spirituality, self-love, the dance industry, and all the taboo topics that dancers and women should be openly talking about. I am so excited to go on this journey with you. Now let the magic begin. Hello, my beautiful babes, and welcome back to the podcast. I hope you all are doing so well. Today, we have a very exciting guest on the podcast, Hope Jackson. Hope was one of my idols in the Latin ballroom world. Her incredible technique and performance abilities were something that I always admired so much. Hope is a multiple-time Latin champion. She's danced on popular TV shows such as Dancing with the Stars. She's the owner of Jackson Dance Sport, California Dress Collection, and most importantly, she is a mom to two adorable boys. I was lucky enough to train with Hope when I lived in Utah, and her energy is so infectious. She's such a great instructor, and she infuses so much intention and love into her classes, and she absolutely knows what she's talking about. I also love how multidimensional she is. She really allows all of her passions to coexist, and she is so fluid between her masculine and her feminine polarities, which I admire so much. In this episode, we cover what it's like to be a Latin ballroom professional and competitor, the reality of owning your own dance studio, how to balance motherhood and owning multiple businesses, body image, postpartum, confidence and sensuality, planning life around your cycle, and so much more. A theme that comes up a lot in this episode is showing up for ourselves even when you don't feel like it. And this can be the hardest thing to do when you're having a bad day. The last thing that we do is want to get on our yoga mat or go take the dance class or meditate or tap, but that's honestly when we need it the most. And hope is a beautiful example of what happens when you show up for yourself. She didn't just become a beautiful dancer overnight a beautiful mother overnight. She is so good at everything that she does, but it is because she put the work into it. And I think it's really important to remember that everything that we see on social media, we're not seeing the how, we're seeing the end product. And so hearing Hope talk about her experience was so inspiring for me, just knowing that it's possible. You just have to continue to show up every single day. And she also does such a beautiful job of balancing out that kind of masculine doing energy with her feminine. I mean, just talking to her is so soothing and grounding, but you can tell she's got that spice and that fire, that passion. She really knows how to work with both energetics. And I think that's why she is so successful in every single thing that she does. So I know you babes are going to love this episode. Without further ado, let's get into this magical chat with Hope Jackson. Hope, welcome to the podcast, love. I am beyond grateful to have you join us today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. 
I was lucky enough to meet Hope and train with her when I lived in Salt Lake. Her sister, Winter Rose, was on my second episode of the podcast, and she was also my burlesque mama, so she introduced the two of us, and I absolutely loved going to Hope's studio when I was in Utah. Even though I wasn't training Latin anymore, I missed it so much, and Hope had a Latin class that you could do without a partner. It was so fun, so sexy. It was just the best. And I missed those classes so much, Hope. Me too. Honestly, I miss it so much. (laughs) (laughs) So for the listeners who aren't familiar with you, I would love to give them a peek into your world with some rapid fire questions that we do at the beginning of every podcast. Does that sound good? That sounds great. Awesome. So how old are you and where are you in the world right now? I am turning 32 in November. And right now I live in Huntington Beach, California. Mm, amazing. And what are you loving lately? This can be work-related music, food, TV shows, rituals, anything at all. Yes, I am big into motorcycle riding. I started riding in May oh my God. and I'm obsessed. All things motorcycle. I'm a moto mama. And then I'm really loving sewing. I'm not very good, but I'm passionate about learning. <laughs> and um, also I would say... Well, I had something in my mind, but I just lost it. That's pretty normal for me. So (laughs) (laughs) that's okay. If it comes up at a random time, feel free to just be like, oh, I remembered. (laughs) I remember what else I like. (laughs) I didn't know that you did motorcycle riding. That's so badass. Girl, it's been something I wanted to do forever. And after I had my son and I was like recovered for the most part, I was like, I'm just going to do it. Like you have one life, do it now. Don't wait. And it was perfect timing. I needed it. And it's so fun and freeing. And I just love the culture. It's so awesome. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. That is so inspiring to me to just like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of times we think, oh, that's too hard or too scary for me. Like I would never be someone that could do that, but it's just like, actually, why not? You know? Yeah. Anybody can do it really. And it is scary. It was really scary. (laughs) And sometimes I'm still scared, (laughs) Yeah. but that's kind of the fun is like, you don't have to do it for anybody else. Like if you're scared, just get off and it's no big deal. You know, I like it Mm -hmm. for that reason. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. That's amazing. And what is your sun, moon and rising sign? And how does that show up for you? Yes. I'm a Sag, Sagittarius sun, Pisces moon and Sagittarius rising. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's interesting because I think um, I come across to people very Sagittarius. I'm very blunt and direct, and I think it it can have the ability to rub people the wrong way unless you know me. I'm also kind of crazy and zany and willing to try crazy things, but really who I am, I think, is more of a Pisces. My moon sign is like who I am at heart and who I am at home. I'm very emotional and empathetic and Uh, really chill, like very go with the flow. And so it's kind of this interesting duality because I think my ego shows up more as my Sagittarius and Mm -hmm. who I really am, like my spirit is my Pisces. And so when I feel one kind of pulling harder than the other, it's usually because I'm like out of balance. And so, yeah, trying to balance the two and in any situation is like key for me, being empathetic, but also direct. And Mm -hmm. when I'm in that way I think it's like when I'm my best Mm -hmm. all my friends and I talk about this but it's like the awareness right the awareness helps you Mm -hmm. to be like okay this is how I come across this is how I feel internally like how can I start to merge the two together and it's just like another tool to help us like be better and to do better but I I feel like I see your Sag 
so many different ways, but like talking to you, you very much come across as like a Pisces. So I, I yeah. totally read that. <laughs> yeah. And then what has been your favorite way to move your body recently? Oh yeah. So again, I had a, my son is 13 months old now and mm-hmm. I started as soon as I could, I had a C-section with him and the recovery was pretty hard on me. I think it's hard for most people, but it was hard on me. And, um, as soon as I could, I started weightlifting because I just felt like my skeleton, like my bones ached and my joints ached and weightlifting has been huge in getting me back to feeling strong, like in that way. And so I've been doing a lot of that and then walking. I just barely started. My son just started first grade, my oldest son, and I walk him to school every morning and I walk him home and it's about a mile round trip. So every day now I'm walking about two miles and it has been so huge for my body. Like I, I know everybody talks about it, but I had never really walked so much before in my life. So those are two things that I'm doing a lot lately. And of course the dancing, I'm dancing a Mm -hmm. lot now lately. So that's always big. I've heard so many good things about weight training and just how it is, especially like postpartum. So I love that you're talking about that because I feel like so many people don't really know what to do with their bodies after they have a baby. Like, I feel like that would be such a hard transition, especially a C-section. So I love that you're like finding that strength. And then also through the walking, I feel like so many people underestimate walking. It is my favorite way to move my body other than dancing. And also just the benefits are like, so they're so beautiful, like not only physically, but mentally too. Absolutely. And it's so, like you said, underrated, like everybody's like, Mm -hmm. you should run, do cardio. And I'm like, you can just walk and it's going to do the same thing. I mean, it might not get your heart rate up as high, but the way that you process like emotionally and mentally, when you're just taking the time to walk is Mm -hmm. really incredible. Like I have some very interesting breakthroughs when I'm just taking that 15 minute walk. So it's really Mm -hmm. nice. Yeah. It's also like the power of presence too. And I feel like so many people, including myself, you know, so easy to have a podcast going or to like, you know, be reading or like learning something or listening to music. But when you're just like walking and being present, there's so much that can come to you in those moments Mm -hmm. where you're just like being present and silent with like yourself and with nature. So that's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. So let's talk a little bit about your Latin ballroom career. Your name is so well known in the ballroom world. I remember the first time that Winter told me you were her sister and my jaw just like dropped because everyone knew who Hope Jackson was. It was like, you were so well known. I watched your videos. Like I was just enamored by you and enamored by Winter as well. So when she told me that I was like this family though, (laughs) like let's talk about, (laughs) let's talk about how talented this family is. I remember that moment it so clearly, but I would love for you to take us back to how your career began and why ballroom specifically called to you. That's funny. I have a pretty awesome family. I, if I do say so myself, but, um, <laughs> when I started dancing, I was actually a gymnast and I was an elite level gymnast. I was living with my sister and she was in college. She was homeschooling me. I had just moved to Utah. The rest of my family was in Washington state still. And she was taking a ballroom class at BYU and BYU hosts the NDCA national championship every year. And so I went to watch her dance and watch her friends dance in their class. And I was just like, what is this? What is this? I had never seen anything like it before. And I was hooked, but it took me about two years before I 
like quit gymnastics and knew that that wasn't for me anymore. And I changed paths. And in Utah, as you know, in school, we dance, there's social dance classes and then teams that you can join. And I went that route and did the social dance class and then joined a team and then eventually met my husband who had an audition with me and then became my husband later on after we danced for a while. And I think it was really interesting because I look back and I realized that I was never meant to be a gymnast, but gymnastics gave me the opportunity to move to Utah where I had these opportunities to learn how to dance. And it gave me all the fundamentals I needed in order to understand how to move my body. So when I started dancing as a 16 year old, I wasn't that far behind some of the other dancers in my division because I had already had all this training on body flight, body awareness, body movement, creating inertia, speed, control, balance, and all these things. And so I was able to hop into the amateur division with my husband, who was not my husband at the time. And we competed six years in the amateur division and eventually rose to the top three in the West Coast and top 12 in the nation. And I think it was possible because we had some really good mentors and some really good teachers. And it's It's funny because now Utah is this big booming place. There's so many professionals, so many studios. And back then, Trey and I were chuckling, chuckling, but we were laughing last night about how we were the only ones. I mean, there was other dancers, but when, when, you know, we wanted to run rounds or show up at the studio to practice, it wasn't a studio full of other ballroom dancers. It was literally just Trey and I. And our coaches were so huge in getting us opportunities because they weren't just laying around to pick up. So we had some good studio owners that allowed us to come in and use space for free because we were just, you know, at that point in college and just trying to do our best. Rick Robinson, who you know, was a mentor for us and introduced us to our longtime coach and teacher, Shirley Ballas, who is the best of the best. And literally, she's the reason I have a career because she just laid the foundation. She gave me all the tools to be not only a good dancer, but a really good teacher. And so I am out of necessity. I started teaching when I was really young because uh, I was in school and I couldn't really get like a full-time job and I was already teaching gymnastics. And so people saw me teaching at the studio and I think they must've liked my teaching style because then they knew me as a ballroom dancer competitively. And they would ask me, you know, like, are you available for private lessons? And I was like, of course, <laughs> you know, of course, why not? And when I started teaching, I really became a better dancer. So I think it was all just like a perfect storm of alignment, getting me to, you know, build this career. It was just like, at the time, everything seemed kind of random. But looking back, it's like, oh, I see, like everything lined up to make it really easy for me. And it was all just meant to be. And it was very like, magical to be on that ride. Trey and I traveled around the world and we went to Amsterdam. We took eighth place in Japan at the Asian Open. And, you know, we just so happened to have family in Japan. So we stayed with them. We saw Japan and it just kind of became like this ride that it was. It wasn't easy because we sacrificed a lot. I mean, we sold our car. We lived with Trey's parents. We, you know, borrowed money and did all these things that we had to do in order to be able to afford lessons, costumes, dresses. And a lot of people helped us out, but it, it all lined up perfectly in, in the way of like destiny where like you get an opportunity and you realize this is for me because it just presented itself to me. There was no struggle. I didn't have to like fight 
uphill every, every day to make it work. So once I realized that, and I kind of intuitively realized it early on in my career, I just thought, okay, if this is what's meant for me, I'm going to gamble on myself every time. And it got to the point where I was teaching at a studio and a lot of the students already had a ballroom teacher there. And so I thought, okay, well, I need to start teaching at a different studio where people don't really know me as, you know, one thing. And so I just started showing up there and practicing there. And I eventually got some pro-am students and, you know, I started dancing with my one pro-am student who really was like, I owe a lot of my studio success, I think, to him because he had a lot of big goals and big dreams and he's still dancing right now. But he told me, he said, I want to go to Blackpool and I want to compete pro-am with you. And that's like my bucket list. I want to do that. And we did. And he won. And I was dancing at the time with my partner, Umario Diallo, and he was teaching me so much about being a professional. And I went to Blackpool, danced with my pro-am partner. He did a great job. And then I came home and I just realized, like, I'm going to just take this to the next level. And that's when I decided to make Jackson Danceport a brick and mortar studio. And I had already had a bunch of students and I was renting out studio space from other studio owners. And I just thought, no, we're just going to do this this way. And so I turned it into a brick and mortar. And those were the best, best times ever. I don't know if you ever came to my first studio when it was over in American Fork. You did? I did. I took okay. winters. That was where she started her first burlesque classes. Oh, yes. There. I remember. So it was like me, her, and Bailey, and you sometimes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my yeah. God. Okay. I personally, I love that studio space so I much. Do. We were like in this cozy little cave because remember, there was no windows, mm-hmm. but it had all the track lighting yeah. that kind of sparkled. So cozy. It just had a vibe there. So that was my it first. Did. I loved it there so much. And then we eventually moved to the bigger space and we built it all out. And that was a huge project. And you were there too. Yeah. We hosted some classes there as well. And so Jackson Danceport was always um, an umbrella company that I operated under when I did Pro-Am. So like when you fill out Mm -hmm. forms for a competition, they Mm -hmm. ask what studio you're from. So Mm -hmm. I just created Jackson Danceport. And that's what it is now. It's just uh, in the cloud, so to speak. There's no brick and mortar studio that I'm operating out Mm -hmm. of because although I loved having the studio space for myself and offering it to people, like there's just something so special about welcoming and hosting people in an actual space and creating a Mm -hmm. space that feels free and safe. There's a lot of studio behind the scenes that I did not necessarily enjoy, you know, just having to make sure filing and it's just the mundane stuff and I'm like you know what I think I just want to dance more (laughs) and not do so much administration so now I'm just back to teaching and dancing more and although I really miss my studio space and having that space and sharing it with people it's nice now to have the freedom to not be tethered down to an actual brick and mortar Mm, that's so nice. There's so many things that came up when you were talking, but on the topic of the dance studio, I feel like a lot of dancers are like, I want to open a studio. Like that's the thing, but it's like, mm. yeah, dancing's a part of that, but there's so much that goes into owning a brick and mortar dance studio and just like everything that comes with that. And sometimes it's just more fun to just like, again, ran out of space or, you know, just like have your company, which is Jackson Danceport, but that can mean so many other things besides just like a studio space. Yeah. I think the way I was running my first studio was really 
it was like the sweet spot. It wasn't big mm-hmm. enough to host classes bigger than maybe like 10 people. I mean, mm-hmm. one of winter's classes that we hosted there for burlesque had like eight girls in it or eight mm-hmm. people. Right. And that was like perfect. You mm-hmm. know, if there was any more, it would be like a little crowded. And so we weren't really hosting classes. I was running rounds with my students, but it would, it would always be a little tight. I mean, it was a small space. And so we weren't really doing that yet. And then in the bigger space, that was why we moved is because a lot of people were like, we want to take classes. Are there classes? And I had this, you know, as a studio owner, you, you hear that and you think, well, business wise, I should absolutely be doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so once we ventured that way, it would have, it would have panned out great mm-hmm. and been awesome. We had plans to do teams and we did do teams. And then of course we moved and we sold the studio. So that wasn't really you know, something I pursued, it's being run now by another studio owner, and she's doing a great job. But yeah, there is a lot behind the scenes. And I think it's great when dancers want to open a studio. But you know, like, if I had anything to say to them about that, it would probably be, you will be running a business. So Mm -hmm. if you're hoping to be dancing, like don't open a studio, you can operate Mm -hmm. as an individual dancer and not be running a studio because when you're running a studio you have to pay for overhead you have to pay for marketing you have to pay for a social media presence you can try to do it all yourself but it's not easy to do all of it yourself and so something will fall through the cracks if you want to be successful you have to have help and in this day and age usually and what's probably the best thing to do is to pay for professional help. So we kind of got to that point where I was like, you know, I can't do all this myself. I either need to be teaching or running the studio. And so I started running the studio. And that's when I was kind of like, hmm, I just want to dance more. I just want to be dancing. I'm not ready to not be dancing. So mm-hmm. it was a good change for me to move on. Yeah, I think that advice is so good, no matter like what field someone's in is like, you have to have help. You get to the point where like things become too much, it starts slipping through the cracks and then you can't perform the best at whatever it is that you're doing in our case dancing. So I think that's great advice for anyone that is looking to have a business or grow their business dance related or not. I think that's beautiful advice. And then I also loved what you mentioned about just like sharing your story about how you guys kind of got to where you were, because I think so many people look at the finished product. So looking at you as this like amazing dancer, who's been so successful in competitions and pro-am and all the things. And then they're like, but she, you know, she just like got there <laughs> overnight. That's what people literally think when they look at dancers, yeah. they're like, well, I could never do that because of X, Y, and Z. And I think it's so good to hear like, yeah, you had to make sacrifices. You guys had to, you know, choose dance. Like you had to put it first um, and really make those sacrifices. And also like you didn't start till you were 16, which I think is so cool because I didn't start till I was 16. And I think I always thought of that as something that like put me behind, which Mm. was not a good way to look at it (laughs) because hearing your story, you took like what you did before, which was gymnastics. And you were like, how can this support me in my dancing? And I feel like so many people, even if you start dancing later, you've done things that maybe can support your abilities, like something that I admire so much about your dancing is you were always so sharp and your agility was so good. And you were like, Oh yeah, that comes from gymnastics. So it's just taking the strengths that you have, even if it's not exactly dance and putting them towards dance is still super beneficial and can help you to really exponentially grow. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and and now we know like the cross training is so beneficial. So like the jazz girls that I teach or the ballet girls, it's like, 
take that and apply it. You know, it doesn't have to be like you're learning a brand new language. It's like, no, now you're just learning a different way to speak. So your blueprint is already in place and now just adapt it. Mm-hmm. I think that's like the best way to train any style of dance is to have multiple tools under your belt. Yeah, I completely agree. It's so powerful. So right now you are juggling a lot. You're a mom to two beautiful boys. You own Jackson Dansport as well as California Dress Collection, which is a photo shoot dress rental company that you also happen to do hair and makeup for. How are you balancing it all? Please give us all the secrets because I feel like so many women listening to this, including myself, I really struggle with time management sometimes of like, oh my gosh, I've got so many different things going on. Um, we're being pulled in multiple directions, especially being a mom. So how do you do it all? How do you manage it all? Yeah. So how do I manage it all? You know what, to be honest, I don't always manage it well. So we all go through cycles, especially women. We are literally on a cycle and I have learned to schedule my life based around that cycle. So there are some times when I'm super energetic, I can get a ton done. And I do, I use that time to really push it and dig deep. And, and it's fun to get a lot done when I'm feeling energetic and creative And then there's times when I'm really tired, I need rest and I need to disconnect and I do that. And so I've learned to use like the natural process of my life to, you know, push things forward. And also I say no a lot. So like I've decided with my California dress collection business, and then of course with Jackson Danceport, I've set myself up in a way that I am truly the boss. Um, I'm in customer service, but if I don't want to work with somebody, it's okay for me to just say, I'm not available right now. Thank you so much. I'll get back to you when I am. And it's become like really easy for me to do that. So when I'm feeling overwhelmed or like if my, you know, family is going through something or if I need to be more present, I simply just say no. And I think moving to California taught me how to do that. The first year I was here, I got, I don't know what it was, girl, but I had a vibe about me that was like, tell her things that she didn't ask to hear and, (laughs) you know, give her your unwanted, unsolicited advice. And people were all over me. Oh, your little boy should be wearing a hat. Or, you know, like you need to hold his hand when he's walking down the street. And I was just like, do I have idiot written across my forehead? Like, why do people think that they can approach me? And I was like, it's got to be something because it would happen like twice a day to the point where I was like, I just avoided people because I was like, why do people think they can just come up and talk to me? Like I was really in my ego about it. And it was really upsetting to me because I was used to being the boss and in control of my life and nobody told me anything, you know, and coming from Utah, a lot of people aren't super intrusive like that. But I found that here in California, people seem to have no problem talking to me. (laughs) I was like, whoa. And so I learned to just be like, no, thank you and move on. And like, just let it be a thing where I was like, I don't have to be rude, but no is a complete sentence. Just no. And so, you know, with the businesses, it's nice because like the dress business has all been about creativity and fun. And I have a lot of fun flexing this muscle. It's ultra femme. And when I step into this space, it's all just fantasy, la la creativity, 
fluffy dresses, whimsical photography, dreamlike Pinterest worthy moments. And I decided it was not going to be something I ever stressed about. It's not going to be, oh, I need to build the website and do a payment system and I have a deadline. I did not want anything like that. So I just told myself, it's just going to be through Instagram. People can just pay me through Venmo. I should probably have a contract. So I'll do that. And then it's just very much customer service based. So when people are asking me for dresses, I just get to know them. Are you expecting? Is that why you're doing a photo shoot? Or are you getting married or whatever? And I've made some really good friends just through this business. And that was the point is I was like, I want to meet more people where I'm living because I'm new here. And then Jackson Danceport has always existed. And when I first moved to California, I was pretty burnt out with teaching and dancing. And I was just ready to hop off that train for a while and be more present with my family and with my son. For years, Trey and I had been on opposite schedules because he would work nine to five and I would work two to 10. And we would just pass the kids back and forth and it was just not working for us anymore and so when we moved here we were both just ready I was like yeah I'm ready for a new adventure with you I want to be more present and I don't want to work I want to just be I had never been just a stay-at-home mom just a stay-at-home mom and that first year was really eye-opening to just be completely with my son and so Jackson Danceport was just an Instagram page that I just posted my own dancing on and kind of just stepped into the dance world, you know? So I had these two like sides of me that I just wanted to keep a part of my life. And when I'm not feeling it, I just step away. So it's nice because I'm just able to do that and be the boss. (laughs) That's incredible that you were able to kind of get to this place of, I'm just going to enjoy this process. And I feel like it's so easy to do. And I know this because I'm, I'm really going through it right now. Cause I just went full-time in my business like a month or two ago. Mm, when congratulations. All of a sudden, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden your, your life relies on, on your craft. It's a completely different energy. We shift out of this is for fun to this is like, I have to do this, you know, yeah. and I get to do this and I have to do this. And I think it's really important to keep coming back to this principle of like, you're doing California dress collection. Cause you're so good at creating and you're so good at like crafting this dreamy aesthetic and you love clothes and, and hair and makeup and sparkles that of course comes from the ballroom world. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then you also love to dance and it's the same thing with my business. Like I love it so much, but we can really turn it to something that we don't love after a while. Like we can really burn out on it. So I think it's such a good reminder to figure out what that balance is for you. Like, okay, yes, this is making me money, but also like, why can I just have fun doing it? And so I think that's such a good thing to just constantly come back to. And even like you said, not putting the pressure to like create a website and just like making it simple, especially being a mom of two kids, like you have to like simplify things in order to be able to do it all. And I think that's kind of what you were saying is just, you have to kind of figure out what that balance is for you and what makes you feel good and feel happy versus like burning the candle at both ends constantly. Yes. And you, you were saying balance. And one of the things that is really important for me to remember, and like my true belief about balance is that it's not this perfect weighted pendulum that just stays even, mm-hmm. right? right? Balance for me is this idea that the pendulum is swinging back and forth consistently. So when it swings this way, 
everything is like really energetic, going great. I'm working on things, whatever. And the balance then is the opposite side of that, which is taking time away, resting, saying no, shutting down, shutting Mm -hmm. off, and then swinging back to high energy, high frequency, making things happen. And I think as women, a lot of times we expect from ourselves that balance is keeping all balls in the air at the same time, when really Mm -hmm. it's like a juggling act and the consistency of catching and then throwing again. And we have this expectation of ourselves that it's like, everything has to be going smoothly at all times Mm -hmm. to be like in balance. And uh, I just don't believe that. I don't believe that that's possible. I don't believe that that's Mm -hmm. essential. I don't believe that that's even something we should be striving to do. Mm -hmm. We should be resting as much as we're working. And it's hard because when you're running a business, a lot of times you just don't have time to rest. And so (laughs) you are going full throttle. and making it work and doing whatever you have to do and having days where you kind of fall behind or fall off. And that's okay. That's part of your balance and just being easy on yourself and being like, you know what, (laughs) it's just where I'm at right now. This is part of the balance is just having off days. It was like the same lesson the dancing taught me. Like you're not always going to be on all the time. Your body is different every day especially as women, every day, our body is in a different fluctuational process of hormone, temperature, whatever. And I just can't expect from it consistency in the sense of every day is the same. Every third week of this month and next month can be the same, but like, it's not every day the same. So knowledge is power. And when I finally just started acknowledging the facts that that's true and the knowledge I have of like, that is true. It's so much easier to run a business and be a businesswoman and be like, "Mm, I am not my businesses. My businesses are just ran by me and I'm human. And I'm just going to be okay with that. I feel like a lot of dancers feel this way. Our identity gets so wrapped up. I'm a dancer. That's like who I am. And it's like, no, like you dance. (laughs) You are not just a dancer. You're not just a business owner. You're not just a wife. You are so many different things. Like you said, knowledge is power. And so the more that we know about ourselves, the better we can feel in whatever balance looks like for us in that moment. You know, it's completely different. Like you said all the time, but knowing those things about ourselves and knowing that we have so much more to us than just, you know, the craft that we put out, the thing that we make, the business that we run, it just helps us to feel, I guess, more content and happy and present in our life versus thinking that everything that we do externally, like is a reflection of who we are as a person. Like, oh, if I don't feel well and this dance class was bad, you know, I'm a, I'm a bad dancer. Like I'm a bad person, you know, always comes back to this is like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not working hard enough. And it's like, no, your body just needs time to fluctuate, especially as women, we need time to rest, take time off of work. Like those things are just necessary. Yes. So I love what you're saying because This also leads into another deep belief I have that's kind of new to me. The idea that I and you are not me and you are not Ashlyn, right? Like Ashlyn and Hope are the bodies that are the dancers, that are the business owners, that are the, you know, existing in this world. But the me that's inside is not at all concerned with any of these things. These are just things that I put on and there are things that I can take off. And being a boss of a business really became creative and fun when I realized that like when I get stressed out, I'll be like, what does hope want right now? The body of hope, 
hope as the little girl, hope as the one existing in this earth. Like when I'm like, oh, I just am having a hard time like shopping or like I'm craving ice cream or, and I'm just kind of stuck in this place where I'm like spinning my wheels and I'm like, what? I'm unsatisfied. What do I want? What does hope want? And then it's like easier to separate my earthly being with my spiritual being. And I used to really identify as like my businesses and as the dancer. And that really is what burnt me out. Because then when I realized that I am not hope, anything that happens to hope or anything that hope experiences is just part of my earthly experience. But the me that is true and deeper is a spiritual being that just exists here. And it doesn't really matter at that point. I am just seeking pleasure and joy now. I am just uh, pursuing goals to have something to do while I'm here and something to share with people while I'm here and the pleasure of just connecting, you know, and that's when things really changed because the ego, I think like really dropped off at that point. And it still kind of fluctuates back and forth and comes back into my life. But it's so comforting to realize that like, I am not me. <laughs> I keep saying that. And I don't think that makes sense, but maybe it's resonating. I don't know if I'm making sense. No, it definitely makes sense because it's like a, it's like a freedom and it's like a detachment, you know, like detaching from all these external things, feeling free that like, I'm not what I do. I'm not this like physical being. I'm like actually a little spirit inside. My value doesn't rely on everything else that's happening around me or what I put out or anything like that. It's really more just about like the type of person that you are and who you are at your like core essence. I feel like that is what you're saying. Again, it gives us so much freedom to not feel so attached to outcomes in any part of our life. So I love that. I am not me. (laughs) I am not me. (laughs) Anytime I'm going to have like an argument with my husband, I'm going to be like, I'm not me. I don't know. I am not me. This is just the Ashland on earth. I'm somewhere else right now. I know. I love that. It's amazing. Hi, gorgeous. I'm interrupting this magical episode to share a very exciting offer with you. As you may or may not know, one of the deep loves of my life is burlesque. I started dancing burlesque a few years ago and after my first class, my life was changed forever. Burlesque is such a special form of movement because it is so incredibly inclusive, it's judgment-free, and it's all about just feeling good and sexy AF in your body. No dance experience required. A lot of babes are interested in dancing burlesque, but really don't know where to start, which is why I created my brand new course, Burlesque 101. In this course, you will learn the fundamentals of burlesque and the art of tease, how to tap into your sensuality and divine feminine, and ultimately create a deeper sense of self-love and appreciation for your body. It includes foundation classes to help build your technique from the ground up, spiritual and self-love rituals for more confidence and empowerment, and six choreography classes to put all of this inner and outer work to use. This course is such a beautiful place to start your dance journey or brush up on your technique and performance abilities if you have danced previously. But most importantly, it's about taking your power back over your sensuality and reclaiming your divine feminine through dance. I have a very special limited time offer for you babes right now. Because it's fall and fall is my favorite time of year, I'm offering 50% off this magical course. Just use the code PUMPKINSPICE50 to receive 50% off. This code will be valid until the end of October, and then the price will go back up. So grab your heels, put on those fishnets, and I will see you on the dance floor.
So you and your husband are both dancers and you've competed together. It seems like you two are just a beautiful powerhouse duo. So how has it been to work so closely together for so long? And do you think that made your relationship stronger or was it pretty challenging? So much goes into this because our dancing together was so special and magical. And it was also so hard because when you're I mean, for Trey and I specifically, we are really different. He's Pisces and he's very much go with the flow and really laid back and just so empathetic, very in touch with his divine feminine. He is truly the embodiment of a divine masculine. And also we met each other when we were very young and we had all these outside expectations, all this outside stress, right? So trying to be a dancer and find money to compete, to travel, to buy costumes, to pay for lessons. Um, and we were married. And so the dynamic then of being a couple in an atmosphere like that, where we were trying to get results in an environment where we were solely being judged on our performance together, you can imagine had a lot of rocky moments and we had to work really hard. And I don't think we ever really succeeded at not placing blame at being accepting and empathetic and loving and kind, learning when to speak and when to just hold your tongue, not really like learning how to not shine a light on each other's weaknesses, even though we were trying to better ourselves. And the whole time we were attached to each other, like literally physically, right? Because we're dancing as a partnership. And so there were things that I needed and things that he needed. And a lot of times I don't think we were able to deliver that to each other. And that's when it was the hardest is when he needed understanding. And I was just not willing because I wanted results now, no excuses. And I come from a background of gymnastics and in sports where, you know, we don't really have excuses. You just show up and you do it and you figure it out and you deliver. And so my idea of like getting results was way different than his, which is like, he started dancing when he was really young and he was more about freedom and artistry. And I wish that I had been more receptive to the things that he needed because we would have danced better for a lot longer. And instead, um, our partnership got to the point where it was just, we, we would fight trying to dance, which I think is normal for a lot of partnerships, right? Cause you're dealing with two people trying to get results in two different ways. And unless you have the maturity and the insight to be like, we'll do it your way. And just, I'll do it my way going along with your way, you know, like we'll make it work. If you don't have the maturity or the mentality to do that, you fight. And then we would go home and we would be married and we wanted to love each other and just be with each other. And so we got to the point where we're like, we don't want to practice today because we're happy and we don't want to fight. <laughs> and so that was hard to figure out. And so we had a couple really good years of really hard work and it was great. The great part was to be in atmospheres of like intense learning and growth and to have those aha moments together and to have those really passionate moments together where the dancing just flowed and we were both at our best and we did have the maturity to listen that day. But, you know, it was always 50-50, the fighting and the good moments. And so, you know, I mean, it eventually we had our son and then we were getting back to it. And I was really excited because I had all this motivation after having a baby to compete again, you know, like get my body at a really strong place, get back on the floor, get creative. And Trey's like, I just had a son. I don't want to spend my extra time 
here beating my head against a wall. And I, and he finally just came to me and like in a really beautiful open moment was like, I'm done, babe. I want to be with Robbie when I'm not working. And he had just graduated with economics and started his career. And he was like doing great. And he's like, I don't really need this anymore. And, you know, I think it's interesting because when you're competing, the one side of it is you're trying really hard to do really well. And the other side of it is you don't do well and you feel like shit. And even when we started to do really well, it was always just like never enough. You know, we would take second or third, or sometimes we would even win and it would just be like, yeah, but I still messed up in that part, or I still didn't do as well as I wanted to. And so it was like, you know, we kind of got to that point where it was like, why are we even doing this if, if we're not enjoying, enjoying it? And so, yeah, when he was finally done, I was like, well, I still want to do it. And he was just so incredible and supportive. And he was like, if that's what you want, I want you to. And when I started having auditions, you know, I shared with him, like my insecurities, my vulnerabilities, like, I don't even want to audition with this person because like, what if they don't pick me or like, what if they're so good? And that means that I have to be like good and we have to train and I have to leave you and do all this without you and travel without you. And he was like, you got to do it so that you don't wish that you had done it. And it made a really interesting next couple of years because he was so supportive, but at the same time, he really, I think, had to detach from the process because I think that he, you know, it was something we did together. So even though he was happy for me, he really, I think, <laughs> I get emotional talking about it, but I think he still really wanted to be there, but not as a spectator, you know, but he couldn't be there as my partner dance partner and so it made it hard for him to be there as my partner in life kind of you know he did the best he could mm -hmm. so it was it was interesting process for sure yeah I think that would be so hard to you know be partners and then you're also his wife and then he's like I can't do this with you right now but then seeing you enjoy this process with someone else that would be hard that would be like a hard transition yeah. and so I just love though that he was so supportive in you doing it. And I think yeah. that's like shows just like what type of partner he is, where even though it probably was like a little twinge to him to like have to give you up and like, let you do that with someone else. It was also like, but you got to go for it. And I think anyone listening to this, that is like dating or looking for a partner, if they are not giving you that same energy, not worth your time, because especially being someone that's really passionate and creative, you have to find someone that's on the same level supporting you. And it sounds like that's exactly what you have. Oh my gosh. Like I could talk all day about the things that he does for me that just blow me away. And like, if I could tell anybody, like when you're trying to find a partner, I have a list of things that Trey okay. does where I'm like, make sure they do this and make sure they do that and make sure they do this because he has saved my life. Like so many times he supported me in so many spiritual, physical, mental ways that are just, I didn't know I needed that. And I didn't know how much it would mean to me until he did it, you know? So yeah, I mean, having a partner mm -hmm. like him has been such a blessing, both in my life and in my dancing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's amazing. I'm so happy for you. You guys are like the cutest. Every time I see photos of you together, I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so yeah. adorable. 
you know, with Trey, there's no limit. Like he knows how crazy I am. Like the first time, one of the first time we hung out, I like wore a wig. I wear, I like wigs, you know, like I'll get yeah. like super glammed up, wear a wig, do hair and makeup, whatever. And he's like, he just took it in stride. And he was like, okay. And he's always been down for me in whatever crazy, wild, flamboyant way. Or like, even when I'm just like super not feeling it and I'm like grungy and weird and just out there, he's just down for whatever. And I love that about him. He is not this guy that's like, oh no, I don't do that. Or like, what are you wearing? Or like, he's just not, he's his personality and his persona he, are not like identified through mine. He's very much his own person. And one of the first times we met, he even told me like, he's not the person and he doesn't believe in like, oh, well, if you're going to do that, then I can't be with you. Like somebody had told him like, well, if you're going to move away and dance, then like, I'm not going to be with you like an ex-girlfriend or something. Right. And I remember it forever because it just, in that moment, I was like, this is who he is. And he was like, okay, well then we can't be together. Like he always will like vote on himself, which I think is why he understands me so well, because he's like, I would vote on myself too. Like you got to go do it. So I really appreciate him. That's amazing. Having someone that will vote on themselves. I think that's beautiful because you have to have someone that really is like, even though of course we care about our partners, you also want to have someone that's like, okay, with you looking out for your best interest. And like, I remember when I was really wanting to quit my job and it was like totally risk. And I was like, so nervous of how we could take it. He's like, you got to do it, babe. He's like, I don't know why you're coming to me about this. Like, just do it. (laughs) And I was like, so relieved because, you know, it's like, we've been conditioned as women that we have to ask for permission or like, we need someone's validation. And it's especially hard coming from like a religious background, which I know like you winter have experienced that as well. So it's like, almost like you're like going to him, like, is this okay? And he's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) It's like, this is your decision. And I think that's so reassuring that you're like with the right person when that happens. Yes. Yeah. that, That is so true. Like you're spot on with that. I feel that so much. Mm, yes. So I feel like another thing that I really wanted to talk to you about was so many dancers go through the struggle, especially when I was in the ballroom industry, I would just hear, you hear so many like murmurs and people talking just about the struggle of having kids or not having kids. And I remember when I was dancing ballroom, I remember my coach telling me like, you do realize like, if you have a kid, your career's over. And I was like, you have a kid. And he's like, yeah, but I don't see him. And I was like, what? And it was just like a whole thing of like, if you have a kid, like it's like not possible to do both. And I just remember being so dead set on not having kids. That's actually why Luke and I broke up for the first time. Cause we dated back when I was in high school. Um, he was a bit older and we dated for like three or four years, but I was so set on this like ballroom career and what it was supposed to look like. And I had just seen like one version of that. You know, I really didn't follow anyone that like was doing both. And so it really, I thought it would just hinder my career in some way. And also another thing about it was that I was just so focused on having a specific body type because there's so much conditioning and programming in dance and in ballroom, surprisingly, that it scared the shit out of me for my body to change. And it sounds so silly, but when you are in this headspace of like my career relies on my body, it feels very real to you, (laughs) you know? So I, 
I really think that it's, it's something that should be openly talked about. And now I'm just in a place where I feel like I'm so excited to have kids one day and experience all of the magic that comes with that, but it really took a while to get there. So I'm curious how that experience was for you. If you had any of the same thoughts and beliefs and also how the transition has been from focusing just on your dance career to now being a mom as well. Yeah. I think exactly where you're at is where everyone should be when they're ready to have kids. Like Mm -hmm. so excited. I can't wait to do this. And that's the point I got to. Trey and I had been dating, um, not dating. (laughs) We'd been married for six years, traveling all around the world, busting our butt, taking lessons, coaching, teaching, dancing on team. We'd been on TV a couple of times. We'd done some commercial work, you know, and I was like baby hungry my whole life. Okay. And I realized as soon as I had my son, why? But first I'll go back. So I told Trey, basically, I really want, I want to have a baby now. We've been married for six years. I've done all the things I wanted to do in my dancing. And I had no plans to quit. Like that never crossed my mind. I didn't ask anybody about it. Like, should I, should I not? I wanted my son, period. And I had a husband and I was like, let's go. (laughs) And he was like, uh, you know, I'm not sure I'm ready. I'm like, you're never going to be ready. And I was like a pusher. I'm a pusher. Okay. And so I was pushing and pushing him. And I was finally like, you know what? I'm not on birth control anymore. It's up to you. I want a kid. You know where I stand, figure it out. So that tells you a lot about my personality. And he was like, okay. And so we got pregnant. And, um, as soon as I had Robbie, I realized that I was not just baby hungry. I was pining to be reunited with this little dude again. And no regrets. And he blessed my life. He gave me perspective. All the things I had done in my life was so that he could be here with me. And he came to the studio with us. I mean, I was maybe three weeks postpartum and I had him in a baby wrap back to teaching because that's what I do. That's what I love to do. He he, I did not have kids to have kids, right? I, I want to have, I wanted to have my kids because they wanted to have a life and I was the way that they were going to do that. And so I was always really intentional with my desire to have kids. I prayed over it, thought about it, meditated on it, asked them, like, do you want to come through? Like, (laughs) is it the right time? So I had him and it was beautiful. And he just came to the studio with me and I would breastfeed him during lessons. I went to workshops where he was tied to my chest. Um, Ricardo Koki actually came through and had a workshop and I, I attended and Ricardo is a good friend of mine. I mean, we knew each other from way back because he, you know, trained me at one point earlier on in my career and he grabs Robbie's foot and just goes, these are perfect dancer feet and he kisses them. And so now I just tell people, I'm like, Ricardo Koki has blessed Robbie's feet. So if he ever wants to be a ballroom dancer, he'll do fine. Like it'll be fine. But um, (laughs) yeah, like he just would come to the studio and, you know, people will ask me that question, like, how do you have kids and how do you dance? Like, how do you do that? And I think it, it just never crossed my mind that it would be a thing because in my mind, I'm like, he's living my life with me. And at the same time, he has his own little life. Like, what did, I think a lot of people think that you're going to have kids and then it's like, you're ruled by, and to be fair, some people have this reality because it's necessary because each little spirit is unique, right. And has different needs, but for Robbie, he could fall asleep during a dance lesson. He could just chill at the studio and play with toys and he loved it. 
And then as he got older, he would just watch shows and eat snacks and the students loved him and he came along for the ride. And I think that's really what I wanted for my family is I didn't want this like really rigid lifestyle where I was like, well, the kids have to have their nap at one and they have to sit in their chair to eat breakfast. And we only eat these foods. It was like very much like a Montessori approach. And I, I grew up that way as well. My mom was really good about listening to the needs of her children and like, what do you need? What do you want? And for Robbie, he was like, just chilling. He just wanted to be with his parents and he was down for the ride. And so it was really easy to just bring him along. And to be honest, I had a lot of help because Trey's mom didn't work at that in, and she was living in Utah. So Robbie, if I had like a long day at the studio, especially when he was in that middle stage where he was like kind of starting to walk, but not very nonverbal. And I didn't have my own studio space. So he couldn't just like wander around because it was dangerous or whatever. Um, he would go to his grandma's house and it was, you know, sometimes stressful for me as his mom, because I'd have to leave him. And I worried like being away from him for so long, but I love it that it happened that way now because him and his grandma have a really close relationship and they just adore each other. And I realized like, it's not always about me, you know, he's going to have his own experiences and whatever I have to do in my life to make it work. He's going to, it's going to affect his life, good or bad. And I can't always control that. We can't control the experiences that our children have, no matter how hard we try. And often the harder we try, <laughs> the less control we have, you know, because they are their own spirits, their own individuals. They'll make their own choices. Anyway, it was truly an amazing experience. And, you know, it did have some effects because like Trey decided at that point after he had a son that his son was more important than his dancing career. And so that's when we split as a partnership because he didn't want to spend the extra time away from Robbie. So that was like a result of that. And ultimately I did the same thing, you know, with the partner I found afterwards, I was traveling a lot. And I was like, I remember one point headed to the airport and I just like screaming, just screaming. Like I just had to let it out. Cause I was like, so, so many emotions, rage, sorrow, grief, and just to leave him. And I was just like, you know what? I think I have to be done with this too. Cause it just wasn't it wasn't working for me anymore. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like my parenting approach, my business approach, my life approach is like, if it's working, go for it. As soon as it's not working, it's not working. And then you make a new choice and you change direction and you do something else. And so um, if you're interested in having kids, I, I'm always like telling people like, you just have to really want them. And for the right reasons, not because you want like a little mini you or somebody that you just want to buy clothes for, but like you have to want to be able to provide a life for this person and be willing to let them live their own life. They might come into the world with their own issues, their own goals, their own dreams. And you have to have the freedom and the maturity of self to be like, yeah, I've got your back. Go do that. And then in the same hand, you know, we were talking about body image and I, you know, before I had Robbie, I had done a fitness competition like a years prior and I loved that process because I really learned what my body was capable of. I'd always been really active and really fit. And I enjoyed like physical exertion and as a gymnast, like just the rigorous amount of exercise my body could go through. Um, and then when I started weightlifting to do my fitness competition, it got really fun because then I learned the other component of that, which is food. And as a dancer, I never really fell into like the trap of like, 
body dysmorphia or like eating disorders, which I think is really easy to do as a dancer because yeah, there is this stigma that you need to be small and skinny. And I just never fell into that. And I don't, I think it was just a happy accident coincidence. But when I started doing my weightlifting, I learned a lot about how food provides fuel for your body. And I became obsessed with that idea. I I mean, I was eating 22 to 2,700 calories a day, working out crazy. And my body just turned into a machine. I had an incredible physique. And I just decided after that, like, yeah, I'm going to eat to live like no more like coffee for breakfast. And I think I, you know, I I didn't do anything like that on purpose, but I think just busy schedule, trying to fit it, fit it all in. You don't really take the time to sit, make a meal, eat the meal, enjoy it. Like, you know, and so anyway, after I did my fitness competition, that became really important. And after I had Robbie, I mean, I gained 60 pounds with Robbie and I told Trey, I knew as soon as I got pregnant and I found out I was pregnant that instinctively, if I wanted to stay healthy, I needed to eat and I was never sick. And I attribute it a lot to like this mindset I had where like eat food, don't wait till you're hungry. Don't fast. Don't miss a meal, sit down and eat a meal and like a hearty meal. Don't try to like eat clean or worry about your weight. I did not worry about my weight whatsoever. And I had a really happy pregnancy and a really happy birth and a really happy postpartum period because of it. And I took my fourth trimester really seriously. So I knew that after I had Robbie, I wasn't going to be like stressing about getting my body back and hitting the gym and like worried about not fitting into my clothes. I bought clothes that fit me. I went to the studio. I was heavy. I mean, I was overweight. I had just had a baby. I didn't have muscle tone. And then when I started to feel a little bit better, you know, after I was dancing and doing yoga for the first little while, I started to add running and Pilates and more bodybuilding type exercises. And eventually I, I wound up like when I was through the process of that postpartum period, I was 10 pounds lighter than I was before I'd had Robbie. And it just kind of happened that way. This time around, it's very different. Um, I was five years older, six years older now with Mac. I hadn't been as physically active. We had just gone through COVID, you know, so I hadn't even really been out or moving or I don't, I mean, in California here, everything was shut down. I mean, even the beach was closed and where I was living, you couldn't step outside without a mask because they would just write you a ticket. Like it was very strict. And so we just did our best, you know, like with the boys, I would do Zumba in the living room or whatever. And it was just like, it was fine, but it was a different pregnancy experience for sure. Cause we had just moved. I was sick pretty much right away. Um, and then I had another little guy to take care of. And so I just felt always kind of exhausted. Then of course I had a C-section. And so when you have a C-section, it's major abdominal surgery and they want you to get up and walk right away because it helps your body kind of acclimate and heal and move things around and like get back to a healthy place. But my pelvic floor was so weak. My back was so sore all the time um, for the first little while. I mean, I could hardly sit in the car. I could hardly stand up. I could hardly walk. I mean, it was just so hard for like four months. I could hardly do anything really physical. And I was the postpartum period was a lot harder because there was no rest. It was recovering from surgery and trying to figure out how to breastfeed. Also, I had another 
child who was high energy and rambunctious. And I was trying to just get it together. And I knew that I didn't have, I knew that I didn't have time for that rest that I needed. And I look back now and I wish that I had just laid in bed more and asked for help more, but I didn't for whatever reason. And it was a lot harder. I gained 80 pounds with Mac and my body still isn't the same. And I was talking to a girlfriend the other day and it's been a lot harder to be accepting of my body this time around because I have this need to be back, to be back to where I was. And my girlfriend was so sweet and she was like, don't go back. You can build something new. And this is an opportunity to really find out why you feel the need. What's missing in your spiritual development that you feel the need to go back? Are you more worthy when you were smaller? You know, and I've had to really so like deconstruct that programming. Like you said, we are programmed and it's fascinating because even my little boy, I talk about this a lot, but we're watching like America's Funniest Home Videos and a commercial comes on and it's about having an ideal physique, right? And then the next commercial is about hair removal products. And I'm looking at the, and there's like four in a row that are all targeted towards women looking their best. And I finally say something on the second one. I'm like, are you guys noticing this? Have you gotten a commercial for yourself at all? We're watching America's Funniest Home Videos. And this is all about how I should look, what I need to look my best. And Robbie, he's seven and he was like, you're right. And he's like started to notice and talk to me more about it. And he's even getting subtle programming. You know, he asks me like, will this food make me fat? And, you know, like, fat is a punchline, you know, it's in kids shows, you know, like the fat kid or whatever is like the clown or whatever. And it's really a huge issue in our society. This idea that you are less than, or you're funny, or you're not okay. If you're not fitting into this box and, you know, I live in California and I go to the beach, you know, frequently. And I got to tell you, girl, it, it's not like a bunch of supermodels are walking around on the beach. I don't see a single body that is skinny or the ideal body type. I don't see a single one. And there's a lot of bodies on the beach and we all have rolls and lumps and bumps and, or some of us have just bad posture and are super skinny or are knock neat or whatever. And it's really important for me to like teach my boys, like this idea that we have to look a certain way. That's not normal right? What's normal is that we are all unique individuals with different strengths and weaknesses. And that is a beautiful thing. And we need to be aware of that because what's happening is that our society through capitalism is trying to teach us all that we need to be a certain way and we need to look a certain way because they just want to make money off of that. There's no other reason they want to make money off of that. And so that's a lie. And we need to just reject that lie. The truth is that my body right now, as it is with a scar and a pouch where my baby rested for nine months before he was born and extra fat up here along my boobs and the wrinkles that happen when I bend over because my hips are wider now and have more meat on them. That is the beautiful process of growth. And it's the proof that I did something miraculous, not only to bring kids into the world, but I'm growing, I'm existing. It's proof that I'm here. Like my body is, my body is the proof that I've lived a beautiful life, a hard life, survived hundred percent bad days. I'm here.
And so I'm like really trying to push that agenda with my kids. Like people aren't fat. They have fat. We all have fat. We're moving on. It's not a thing to dwell on. Clothes are designed to fit your body. You're not designed to fit in clothes. Everybody can wear anything they want because it's a creative outlet. You can paint your nails. You can grow your hair. You can chop your hair. You can dye your hair. You can cut up your clothes. You can wear little clothes. You can wear a lot of clothes. Enjoy your life. It's just the body that's existing on this earth. You are much deeper than that. So if you, the deeper part of you, is interested in doing something unique with your appearance, put it on. And if you don't like it, take it off. And it's the same with your body. I know that my body can achieve a really intense, interesting, muscular physique because I've been there before. And also it took a lot of work and it took a lot of time that I don't necessarily want to spend right now. And so the trade-off is I'm okay going to the gym two times a week and weightlifting because I love the way it makes me feel. And also I love the way a glass or three of wine feels as well. (laughs) And I like pasta. And so I've just decided that I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because that's balance for me. And I would love Mm -hmm. to gain more muscle and I would love to dance more and feel stronger and more agile and more flexible because that's the good recipe for like a long, healthy life. And also balance means that I can eat cupcakes and I'm not going to freak out every day. Some days I do, you know, it's been an interesting process because as a dancer, I also have a lot of experience with body work, getting massage, getting chiropractic, doing acupuncture. And it's no different when you're a mom going through a postpartum period with kids, you still need chiropractic work. You still need massage. Your body is going through so much every day. You are a high level athlete. You need to eat, you need to drink water. And so I treat it kind of like that. I need to be at my absolute physical best in order to take care of my kids and my family and myself. So I have to put myself first and take care of my body in that way. But now that I'm a little bit curvier after I've had kids, um, I honestly have the body I've always wanted. Bigger hips, rounder thighs, bigger boobs. And I'm like, now that I have it, I'm a little bit like, whoa, okay. But I'm like, this is what I always wanted. So rather than being that person that's like, oh, the grass is always greener on the other side, like I'm where I want to be now. And even though it's a little outside my comfort zone, because I've never been there, I'm like, just embrace it. And we're at a good spot right now for that. I mean, there's so much body awareness going on. Now we have supermodels who are like really vocal about it, like round women that are like, you know, embrace your curves. And I love where we're going mm-hmm. in like with yeah. our society in that direction. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like if I ever have a bad body image today, I'm going to go to this podcast episode. I'm going to play that bit <laughs> that you yeah. just did because it's just honestly, like we need to constantly remind ourselves that what we're feeling about our bodies is not actually what we're feeling. It's what we've been taught. And so we can rewrite the narrative. Like you're saying of like, actually, this is, I've always wanted to have curves. Like I've always wanted to be a mom. I've always wanted to do everything that I'm doing now. So why do I feel like the grass is always greener? And then you can bring it back to because of society, because of these fucking commercials that we see all the time, because of everything that we're being like, told and everything that we're being conditioned and the things that we're being sold. And instead just be like, I feel great. I feel confident. Like I feel in my worth, like this is what I am going to wear. This is how I am. And I think that that's just so empowering to like, yeah, take our power back, like not let other people dictate whether or not we feel good in our bodies. I think that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And just one more thing about that, because I love what you said, like, 
it was interesting for me to realize that like society's idea of an ideal woman woman was not necessarily my idea. Like when I decided mm-hmm. to like figure out why I felt that way and like to question it. And then also like, this is secondary, but it did matter to me. Like my husband loves my body right now. And I mean, he's always loved my body, but you can tell, you know, like, he would never say one way or the other, like if he loved it or not, but he's very vocal about how much he loves it now. And I think I said that wrong, but you know what I'm saying? Like, he's very vocal about how much he loves my body and he's very affectionate. And it was funny to kind of realize that like, yeah, society is telling us all that we need to look a certain way, but like, as, as far as like being attractive, like that is so unique you know, so like, which if, if you're chasing this idea to like, please somebody, like, who is it that you're trying to please? Because like, I, I didn't really know that my husband liked, you know, me a little heavier, but like, he's very vocal about how much he likes it. So it's funny to kind of be in this space now. And it's like, really, it's really fun, actually not funny to be like, oh, okay. And then it kind of helps me with the confidence of like, I'll just turn it on then. You know, it, it really has nothing to do about how you look. It's about how you feel. And it helps to have, obviously, the love and adoration of my husband. But, like, you know, just to be able to, like, turn on that confidence and, like, roll with it. Because it really is. It's all just about how you feel. If you feel good, you this aura around you is just that you you look good. You look good when you feel good. Yeah. Anyway. No, I think that's so fascinating because it was funny a few weeks ago. Well, everyone that listens to the podcast knows I've talked about it so many times, but I went off birth control recently after being on it for like, oh my God, over 10 years, like a long time. Gosh, congratulations. That's such a good feeling. Thank you. Oh my gosh. It's a great feeling. And also I haven't felt at home in my body, you know, since doing it because there's so many hormonal changes happening. And it was funny. I I was just feeling really blah one night and Luke, he looks across the room. He's like, you look so hot. He's like, have you always been this hot? And it was like a funny thing. And I was just like, really? Cause I feel like a blob right now. (laughs) And it was just one of those moments where like how we are feeling sometimes is absolutely opposite of like what the people around us feel. And he was just like, so excited for me going off of birth control and you know, we've been married for like four months now and it just feels so good. And I think it's just one of those things where yeah, like you said, they, they find those things attractive about us. Like, oh, like your ass is getting bigger. Love it. Like bigger yeah. moves, love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think it's just funny that we, it's like, I loved what you said. Like, who are you trying to please? And I think we need to ask ourselves that like, is it social media? Is it like this expectation? Is it an ex-boyfriend? Like, what is it that you're trying to please right. um, and really get to the root of it? Cause I think a lot of times we're trying to please like the the whole collective. And it's like, yeah, if we try to do, we this? do that, yeah, yeah. That's, that's not going to work. It's not. And also it's just going <laughs> to make us feel so shitty about ourselves because we're constantly competing against nothing. Like we're, we're constantly competing yes. and there's like no end goal. It's just like, continue to compete, continue to compete. And, and I loved what you said too, about like, just like eating food that makes you feel good. I also love wine as well. And I feel like you can feel so guilty for these things that you, that you really enjoy and love because of what's being like preached on social media or at the time or whatever. And it's like, I'm so happy in my life. I feel good. I'm healthy. Like that should be the end of it. <laughs> and so yeah. I think it's really empowering for you to, you to say that to someone listening that maybe has been having similar feelings just to know that like, 
do you, people are going to love it no matter what. Yes. Yeah. Every choice that you make intentionally, no guilt, no regrets. Yes, exactly. And this kind of goes along with my next question, which is a question about confidence, because my program is called confidence. And something that I love about you is that you exude confidence, especially like when you're performing or dancing, you're such a good performer. You exude that sensuality, sexuality, charisma. And I feel like you can literally just pose and it's just hot as fuck. (laughs) I love all your photos. (laughs) Like you're just, you and Winter both have this like energy. And I think that's why people are so drawn to you both. Like you can just stand there and like people will scream. And I feel like that's just like such an amazing quality to have. So I'm curious if confidence and sensuality have always come natural to you, or if that's something that grew over time, just kind of like any other technique or muscle memory. You know, I owe a lot of this to my mom because I grew up in a really unconventional household. She was really open about sexuality and she was really open about body image and just bodies in general. And, you know, not, it's funny because my mom really is incredible, but I don't think it was ever like something that she set out to do. She was just friends with us and she wanted us to have happy whole lives. And she knew that the best way to do that was to give us information. And it wasn't always like this uh, really like information heavy stuff. It was just the lightheartedness. She really is like the divine feminine. She embodies the goddess where it's an inclusive complete life full of sex and sorrow and happiness and anger and grief and joy and play. And I witnessed it all through her. She was an example of this and she's not perfect, but that's also part of being feminine is we have, you know, these mistakes that we learn from. And she was really good about always, if she did something wrong, she would apologize. And we, I saw her do that. She did that with me. She was, if she did something wrong to me, she'd come back and say, I'm sorry. And, you know, we, I would hear her laugh and have joy and I'd hear her cry and I'd hear her fight. And so it really gave me like this really clear picture of what is normal. And I think a lot of times as parents, you know, we worry like we shouldn't fight in front of our kids because it'll traumatize them or they'll be worried about their future or, you know, we won't cry in front of our kids because we want them to think that we're always happy. And I'm like, yeah, I get that because I have kids and you want them to just be happy and free, but that's not also life. I want them to experience the highs and lows and realize that that's okay. And that's normal. So that when they experience it for themselves, they're like, oh yeah, yeah. I've seen this before. I know how this goes. You it's, it's normal. It's okay. And so I think when it comes to confidence, I had the knowledge that it's all normal. And it's all okay. You're feeling sad. That's okay. You're allowed to feel sad. My mom wasn't one of these, like, just be happy or like, don't cry. Don't cry. It's okay. It's okay. She would be like, you're crying. Come here and I'll hold you until it passes. And like, I'm here for you and and it's okay. And also there was times when I did experience trauma and she wasn't there and it wasn't okay. And I had to learn on the fly to like, adapt. And as humans, we do that. And especially as little humans, that makes a big impact. When you learn those lessons, you really have to rely on yourself. And that gives you confidence because you're like, I've been through that before. Experience is the best teacher. When that happens again, I'm going to know what to do. I'm going to do it better. And so it's two parts. I think I was kind of born into an environment that taught me that. I also have this, you know, as we all do a unique individual kind of confidence in myself 
that I've always had, I think, since I was little. I just kind of was always the voice inside my head was a little bit more secure in who I was. I always kind of liked myself, whether it was out of spite or not. I don't know. But like, I was always just like down for myself. (laughs) But then my mom really cultivated that. And then, yeah, I think it was just a series of experiences that taught me like, you got to choose you, you know, because like, you know, there was times when I was like really not confident and in a moment where it mattered. And that lesson is a hard one when you're like, I should have done more for myself and I didn't. And now here I am. And, and so, yeah, I mean, it's a constant evolving lesson. Life is of like, learn to trust yourself and go forth with confidence. You know, it's interesting because in gymnastics actually, which is my main, like my, my blueprint study of like body movement, we have this term, right? Chuck it. And we do that because it's dangerous not to. So like, if I'm trying to do a trick and I'm scared, so I just do it a little, I'm going to hurt myself because I will fall, not complete the revolutions that I need to, and I'll land on my head or whatever. So you really have, if you're going to throw it, you have to chuck it. You have to throw it and you have to go. It's better to over rotate than to under rotate. Right. And you have to really just like go for it. For me, it was always a perfect storm of like a good support system at home with my mom and my dad and my siblings who were just like, we had a good understanding of we could be safe there and we could experience normal things that humans experience. And then this really intense study of like, if you don't go for it full out, you're going to get hurt and I'm going to be here, but I can't do it for you. So you have to do it. And so it was like, I learned both physically, emotionally, spiritually, like that it's a process of learning to trust yourself. Um, And then with dancing, it became really fun because confidence turned into, I always had this like sensuality about me. I was always not that this is sensuality, but I was always boy crazy because I liked the masculine attention. And I think now that I'm an adult looking back, I realized I like the masculine attention because I actually have a really strong connection with my masculine side. And I, I present like feminine and I'm feminine dominant, but like my masculine side is like right there. And so for me, it's really fun to dance because I call on both of those. And it's the only way in my life that I felt like I could really like let it out is when people were watching, which is why I always liked boys because they were always watching, or at least I was trying to get them to watch. Right. So to have an audience and like finally be able to like turn it all the way up just became so fun to experiment with because I have this like, and I think people study it more and it's like more common now to actually be aware of it. But like the feminine energy is like this flame, right? Or like the sexual energy, you can turn it up and it can grow hot and really like burn higher and brighter. And then you can turn it down. And I have always been really aware of that, like sensual flame within me. And it's always been really fun for me to like turn it up and turn it down and see how it affects people. And when I dance, it's something that I can almost like physically feel and like taste and I can feel it like magic in my body. And it's a form of magic for me, the way I practice it. And so it's become really fun. Oh my gosh. I love that, that explanation of it because, and it's really fascinating because winter used to do this, um, 
visualization at the beginning of burlesque classes that was like this little flame and it was our intention and it was like honestly I remember the first time I did that and then I danced I was like whoa (laughs) like those two things connected really heavily for me and that's how I felt so much when I started dancing burlesque and so hearing you describe that is just like so much validation for what I tell everyone when it comes to like, especially burlesque, but also like Latin dance as well. It's very sensual and it puts you in this part of your divine feminine that is like, whoa, it's this like confidence, sensuality, sexuality. It's like this whole full body, soul encompassing experience. And so I love hearing you say that because it's like, first of all, it's not just me. <laughs> it's yeah. Like you're so not alone. That are, yeah. So many people that are tapped into you know, understanding our divine feminine, our divine masculine, and we're really connected to our bodies. It's like, we can feel those sensations pretty instantly. And I love that you have that experience with dance. And I feel like that's why we love it so much. Cause it gives us this feeling that like, it's really hard to get outside of dance. Yeah. It's been fun to use, like even use it outside of dance. Like I've started doing this recently when mm-hmm. I go out with my husband is I'll turn that up a little bit more yes. and it's just fun to experience the world that way where your magic is on and you're shining a little bit brighter like Mm -hmm. just the energy you feel from people is different they treat you different because you are that girl with like that flame you know Mm -hmm. so yeah it's a fun it's a fun experiment for sure I really think it's such an amazing way to live because I feel like we are in charge of the magic that we put into our life and life can be hard and stressful and dull or it can be really bright and vivid and we can experience everything full out. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about. That doesn't mean that our life isn't hard sometimes or sad. There are things that happen, but also we can kind of be in charge of those moments that do feel really good and that do feel really magical and just make them even more sparkly and magical. Cause we, I feel like we forget that our life is temporary and why not just like throw as much glitter on it as possible is kind of my outlook. Absolutely. And that's what magic is all about. It's the give and take. It's, you know, making something happen. In order to do that, you have to kind of have those moments where you're low to make the happy moments seem even happier. So I absolutely agree. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. So in an article I read about you, you mentioned watching your dance film back from performances and it wasn't one of your favorite things to do. And you were pretty hard on yourself, which I feel like is so relatable. I mean, you know, in all my classes, I'm filming my routine. My students are filming. It's just what people do now. So many of us film ourselves. And then instead of using it as a tool, we kind of like pick out the flaws only, (laughs) but you said that you really tried to turn that outlook around and not look at your dancing as right or wrong necessarily, but instead look at it as a tool for growth and most importantly, enjoyment. So how has this perspective changed your dance experience overall from focusing on, I'm going to go into this with like, you know, picking up my flaws, like I'm a literal judge (laughs) or going into this, like, oh, what can I like learn from watching this? Or how can I be like proud of myself? Yeah. I think the easiest way to do that from my experience is when you see something that you want to be different, picture it different in that moment. So like if I'm doing a move where like the line wasn't quite what I thought it was, then I imagine what I thought it should be in my head because we all have this picture in our head of what it should be and that's why it's hard to see what it actually looks like because it's not aligning all we know in the moment when we're dancing is how it feels and often how it feels and how it looks can be very different and so using the tool of visual 
like seeing it visually in the video to then match up with it, with what it should look like in your head. Um, so just like overlaying it, the memory. So you know what it feels like. And then when you do it again, it will feel a little different now because you're having to physically make it look like what you wanted to see in your head, which is what it did not look like in the video. And so it's actually hard because it's like a totally different process, right? Like what it felt like and what it looked like compared to what you want it to look like. Now you have to think, okay, so how different is it going to feel now to look like what I want it to look like in my head? And so often it's like, you have to go a little bit more. You have to arch more. You have to turn out your feet a little bit more, turn them in or stick out your hip more or whatever it may be. And you become such a more dynamic dancer that way, because if you want it to look dynamic, it has to physically be dynamic. So yeah, it's a, it's a, like a removed process of visualization, um, like reverse visualization, <laughs> seeing the wrong, which you did wrong that you don't like, and then overlaying it with what you've seen in your, like with your eyes and what you want it to look like from the mental image in your brain and then putting it on top of that and then matching that physically. And then a lot of times doing that over and over. When I started filming myself improvising, rather than just seeing my film from choreography classes is when I started to really like the way I was dancing. Because when you're improvising, you tend to go a little bit harder because you don't know what's coming next. And so you're just kind of like moving through time and space. A lot of times you fall over, you make little mistakes and it's like, you have to learn how to get out of it. And then when you watch it back, you're like, whoa, that felt super weird, but it actually looks kind of cool. And so then your body and your muscle memory kind of kicks in the next time you're trying to do something similar. And you're like, I've done this before. Oh, that's such a great process. And I feel like what you're saying is really like focusing on the feeling of it. Like how would it feel for me to do it in this way? And how would it feel for me to do it in this way? And using the visualization process too. I've never heard anyone say it like a reverse visualization. I love that because it really is kind of like visualizing in your mind, this is how I want it to be. And then matching that with the feeling of dance. And I feel like what happens is people go into class, they expect their video to look a completely different way than it does. And then they're like, I'm not going to go back or like, I'm just a bad dancer. And it's like, our videos can be the greatest teachers because yes, sometimes most of the time we see it differently in our mind, how it's played out. And then we watch the video and we're like, Oh, I did that that way. Like that didn't feel like I did it that way. And just using it as like a tool to better ourselves versus like, like getting down on ourselves and feeling like, you know, we're just a bad dancer and it's hopeless. It's like, no, use that as a tool, use it as a way to continue to get better. If that's something that you want to do in dance, you have to be really honest with yourself that there's always room for improvement. And that's how I feel even like, though I'm not competing, I still want to improve every single time I dance. Yeah. And I like the idea of like, if you want to improve, but it's okay to not want to improve in your dancing. Like, I'm sure you have people in your class who come just to move. That's okay. You don't have to be like the superstar in everything you do. Some things can just be a physical release and a way to process in your body things that you've experienced in your day. That's okay. And it, it won't look, it won't look some type of way, but like, that's also okay. Um, dance originated before anybody was worried about how it looked, right. you know, it's mm-hmm. just a way to tell a story and it'll be unique to you. And so I think that's where sometimes it gets really hard to watch your videos is because the mental image we have in our head is not us doing it. Right. Yeah. It's somebody else we've seen. Yeah. 
and we're trying to dance like somebody else we've seen, which is fine. That can be very inspiring and motivating, but to remember that you're unique and you can do it in your own unique way and build on that uniqueness, you know, because there's something there. So I like the idea of using, you know, whoever you've seen that's inspired you to match it. That can be a great tool, but also doing it your own way and being okay with like finding a new way and pioneering can also be a stressful, perhaps, maybe not super exciting process at first, but have a big reward. Yeah, exactly. And I love that because I even went to a class last night. It seemed to be the energy that everyone was just like really tired. There's been a lot going on. Everyone seems to be going through some sort of body change or cycle or something like that. And it was very nice to just have women coming together and be like, we don't feel great, but we showed up and we're just going to dance. And I felt so good after I didn't even film myself because I was like, sometimes I just want to move my body. And I think I think also though, knowing that just going is an improvement, you know, like it doesn't always have to be like, oh, I'm experiencing this great shift in my dancing. It's like, I just showed up when I didn't feel like showing up. And to me, that's an improvement. (laughs) So I think it's really how you look at it. Absolutely. Because it all counts. And I know Mm -hmm. from experience that when you're tired is when you do have the most growth because you're Mm -hmm. already at like a low level. And so then when you push it from there, you know, we can dance all day high, like when we're feeling good and we have high energy, but when you're low mm-hmm. and you feel tired and then you show up, that's when you get stronger and that's when you get better. And so I love that. Like it all counts just showing up. Maybe it's not your best dancing, but you're at your best when you show up, when you're tired, like, yeah, that's, that's a beautiful process too. Mm, yes, I completely agree. That's amazing. I feel like all of this advice will just support even if someone listening isn't like a quote unquote dancer, if you're moving your body, first of all, you're a dancer. Second of all, even if you're just doing this for fun, or even if like dance is something that's not like part of your career for most people listening, it's not like you can take these tools just to make your experience of dance better. Because I feel like a lot of times we go into dancing with so many expectations instead of just like take the expectations off, like take the pressure off. And I feel like we'll enjoy the process so much more when we do that. Absolutely. And it's all applicable. I mean, we're talking about dancing, but really in life, it's the same. You show up Mm -hmm. every day. Some days you're not going to be your best, but you made it through the day and you don't know who you impacted with your gentleness and your kindness and your patience and just your presence. You know, like a lot of things are happening behind the scenes that we don't even know about. And that's why it all counts because sometimes my worst days as a dancer, I still showed up in the studio and I was soft and I was slow. And maybe there was another dancer in the studio who just thought I didn't want to come today, but now I'm here and they see something they liked or they were inspired or just to not be alone in the studio. Like, just like you said, the camaraderie of women coming together, dancers coming together, people in life, just showing up for each other every day. Like that's what's really important. Yeah, exactly. That's the most important thing. So I'm curious what exciting things are coming up for you. Ooh, yeah. Halloween. Right. So I love that. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. So getting Halloween costumes together. I just love that it's cooler now. Like I'm a cold weather girl, not like cold, Mm -hmm. like snow cold, but just like, I love the autumn breeze. I love the changing of the season. So that's really exciting for me. I am getting ready to, (laughs) I like to redo furniture. It's kind of like I'm an amateur, but it's a hobby of mine to like take something that I don't love and change it up. So I'm getting ready to redo my dining room table. It's like a must. I'm, I have to do it. So getting ready to do that. Um, 
my birthday is in November. So that'll be fun. Exciting. (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, I'm just, I'm teaching a lot right now, which is actually really exciting. So I have some fun stuff coming up. Trey and I are actually going to do a performance for the school that I teach at. And so I'll be back in the studio with Trey J, which is always really fun for me. Yeah. It's different now that we don't dance together professionally and it's more of like a one-off kind of event. It's so much fun. We have a lot of fun. And so that'll be really fun. Yeah. Just, just enjoying this new season. Mm, I love that for you. Do you have a Halloween costume picked out or something in mind? Yeah. And usually tell I like us, to, yeah, no, that's okay. <laughs> usually I like to have a couple. My son is really into Pokemon. So Trey and I are going to be team rocket and oh Robbie's going to be <laughs> Ash Ketchum and the baby's going to be Pikachu. So we're going to do that. And then I thought it would be fun. I kind of really want to dress up as a cheerleader. And so I think for school, like when I go to teach, I might be like, the school that I teach at cheerleader because they don't have a cheerleading squad Mm -hmm. they're like a performing arts school so I think it'd be funny to find like a cheer outfit and then like put the school's logo across it I just I don't know I just like it so might do that um yeah I also was kind of kicking around the idea of being Ursula from Little Mermaid just I like a villain you know I don't know we'll see I love all of those ideas. I feel like because you're so creative, I'm so excited to see your costume. I'm sure whatever it is, you're just going to go full out, which I adore. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. I always really want to. And then we kind of come down to like the deadline and I like haven't really done it. So I just kind of like throw something together, but it's fun regardless. Mm -hmm. No, I love, I love this time of year, just getting to like be creative be someone else for a moment, you know, like you said, you love the wigs and stuff like that. So it's like literally your month. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I am so ready. Like let's dress up. (laughs) So hope, what does confidence mean to you? Confidence for me is being okay with good and bad days and knowing that it doesn't change who I am at the heart of who I am. That deeper person, the me, that's not me is a little girl and it's me as a little girl. And I am responsible now as the adult version of hope to take care of little girl hope. And that means that I don't talk bad about myself. I never say I am statements that are negative. And that's a new thing that I'm implementing. I will not say out loud, I am something negative. You'll not hear me say it because my body is hearing everything that I'm speaking and it absorbs it as truth. And so being really honest with myself as well, not sugarcoating anything or tiptoeing around the truth, just saying it like it is. And that doesn't make it mean, that doesn't make it negative. It just, if that's the truth, then that's what it is. And looking at it at all angles and um, yeah, just being like really honest about that process. And of course, keeping myself in balance. So making sure that if I'm really honest and there's something that I'm, that's not sitting well that I don't like, then asking myself, well, what do I need? What's, what's the void that I'm trying to fill with that? Or where is this coming from? And giving myself the love, the grace, the patience as I work on that process to find what it is that I do want and filling those holes inside myself that are needing to be filled, you know, working on the self-love, like not saying things that aren't true, but speaking into existence, the things that I believe to be true and that I will work towards, you know, making true in my life. 
and you know the things that are lies just seeing them for lies you know like I'm not if I'm like hearing from the outside world that like I'm not good enough then I know that's a lie it's just a lie the truth is that I'm a little girl and it's my job to protect her and I'm living in this beautiful world and I have so many opportunities and I am lucky and I am blessed and good things come to me and that's the truth and then the more I focus on that and the more I acknowledge that and the more I take care of that little girl the better life is and I have a lot of confidence in that because you know the honesty plays a big role like the experience of going through bad days and knowing that it doesn't change who I am, I can always fall back on that. When outside forces try to shift my perspective in a negative way, then it's like, well, the truth is that I'm still hope and hope is free and a spirit and not all this stuff that I put on. It's just something totally different and special. And I'm just going to protect that. Mm -hmm. What a beautiful definition of confidence. I love that. And it just, again, it's like so many people think confidence is an external thing, but it's so internal. It's really about the honesty. It's about that deep rooted, unconditional self-love for yourself and all those things that you mentioned. So thank you for sharing. That was beautiful. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Hope, where can people find you? Pimp yourself out. Yeah, so my... Jackson Danceport on Instagram is where you'll find a lot of dancing, coaching tips, strength and conditioning type stuff. Um, and just a look behind the scenes of like my day in the studio or at the school teaching or whatever. And then California Dress Collection, I have like a full closet full of gorgeous, unique things to wear. Um, and I do a lot of like fun, glamorous things there. My personal Instagram is more of like my kids, my life, some makeup and stuff. It's like just a random gambit if you want to find me there. It's private. And honestly, I forget that sometimes people add me. And so I just don't really like <laughs> add any more friends. And um, I went through this phase actually where I just like scoured through everybody and like just took everybody out that I didn't personally know or like wasn't very like active with me. But yeah. It's for the most part, like social media or on those pages is where you'll find me the most. Yeah, that's awesome. And all of Hope's info will be in the show notes so that you can follow her business and personal accounts. If you're in California, rent a dress from her. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And her hair and makeup and dance videos, they're just the best. So whichever account you follow, you will not regret it. <laughs> Thank you. So Hope, thank you so much for joining me today. I have enjoyed chatting with you so, so much. And I really appreciate your time, your vulnerability. You gave so many beautiful gold nuggets of wisdom that I feel like will just support everyone listening. Um, I think it'll be just so beneficial to all the babes listening. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun to catch up with you and to chat for a while. So thank you so much for your time and for the invitation. I loved it. You're so welcome. All right, my loves, we will chat with you all next week. Mwah. Thank you, babes, so much for joining me today. If you love this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you gave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps the podcast to be discovered by all of the amazing women who could benefit from this work and from healing in a heal. Also, don't forget to follow along on Instagram at Studio Slowly Luna and on YouTube to stay up to date on all the heals, burlesque, and spirituality content that your soul desires. Thank you.